You are listening to I Doubt It with me, your host, Jesse Dolliman, a podcast dedicated to free-thinking discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. Episode 30 of I Doubt It. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore. Sitting across from me is Brittany Page. Hello, everybody. Wow. We are we're getting it done. Yeah, we're moving right along. As Brittany would say, taking care of biz. I would say that. Episode 30. If you would like to opine, to take a, a page out of Bill O'Reilly... Mm-hmm. out of his playbook if you'd like to join in on the fun you can leave us a voicemail at 657-464-7609 we are eagerly awaiting your participation um, as always we would love for you to rate and review us on itunes or whatever particular conveyance you use to listen to the show we absolutely as always and forever genuinely and this isn't just lip service we really do appreciate you listening to the show it it means everything it, it's uh very important to us and meaningful i'm i'm getting a little misty right now we can hear it in your voice yeah yeah it's very uh, it's a little crackly mm, yeah mm-hmm. mm. super emotional right <laughs> um th- there's always twitter at dollamore and at Brittany e page we also have a uh uh, a Twitter account for the podcast, but we don't really use it. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Oh, and by we, I mean me. <laughs> I have been very good about using it. Well, that's kind of an embarrassing admission on my part. Mm-hmm. So, uh, com. there's an Amazon link. If you're going to buy something anyway, whether it be a book, which they obviously sell, or auto parts, mm-hmm. we are here. The link, oh, we are here, obviously, but the link is there. Please take advantage of it. It does go a, a, a small way towards supporting the show and and uh, ha- helping us to recoup a few costs. And all it does is take you to Amazon. You don't have to pay anything extra. Right. If you're going to spend your money there anyway, you may as well use our link and do us a solid. Yes. Yeah. So speaking of earlier of embarrassing admissions. Mm-hmm. Have you ever, and I'm sure the audience can can tune in on this, are there things in your past that are embarrassing? Like you look, things that you look, obviously everybody's done something embarrassing, but do you ever look back and think, uh, just... Oh yeah, with, cringe. Cr- that's exactly it. Yeah. Things that are cringeworthy in yeah. your past. Cringe and horror of things that you've done. Yeah. Of course I have those. Yeah, I had a few remembrances of them earlier this week of a few of mine and i was just i got to thinking about just how you know honesty sometimes in in my case being a super honest very straightforward pulling no punches guy has gotten Mm -hmm. me in in trouble what are yours though um one i can think of is when i was with a friend in downtown boise and i didn't have a license and she had a car and a license 
She was late for a hair appointment and she like jumped out of the car and told me to take her car and park it. And I had never really driven in a downtown area before where there's one-way streets. And yeah, and Boise is filled with one-way streets. Yeah, and so uh, I was also stressed out because I didn't have a license. And I was behind the wheel of a car and, you know, you get busted for driving without a license. Yeah, and you get arrested yeah. for driving without a license. Yeah, so I was panicked and I pulled into just the first spot that I saw. And I noticed something was wrong because everybody was staring at me as they drove past me. Like, what is wrong with that idiot? And I, I could tell something was wrong just by the way people were looking at me. And then I started to look around and I was the only car parked the wrong way on the street. And so I had parked the wrong way on a one way street. Yeah. And I just, oh, what am I doing? What an idiot I am. And I still think about that and think about what an idiot I am yeah for doing that that's a but i just didn't understand the rules of the road at least at least you can move on in life and have no one else remember that it took place yeah, that's, that's just true that's kind of personal embarrassment yeah that's true the, the times that i always recall and that i'll never go away from or be able to live down i guess are times that involve someone else that they're gonna remember it too yeah which is shitty I do have one of those, too. There was one time where I was talking to... This was when I was younger. And I was talking to someone who was a teacher. And I told her that she dressed very teachery, And that I could Ooh. tell she was a teacher. And then I went into detail about how she dressed teachery Because she would wear, like, colors. And then wear, like, matching earrings and matching shoes. Like, if she had a, a seashell shirt on, she would wear seashell earrings right 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 and Which i was very teachery yeah i was going into detail about it and i think about that now i'm just like well, what is wrong with could, me could you could you yes see, i offended her you could see yeah just the the bummed out bullshit mm -hmm. just wash over her yeah Ugh. yeah she probably just wanted to smack me in the face which she should have. Have you checked to see if she's still alive? Maybe she took her own life. Out no, she is still alive. Abject depression. She's still alive. Hopefully she doesn't listen to this. Still still wearing the seashells. Yeah, probably. Well, she's still a teacher, so. <laughs> the teachery dress is just a part of being a teacher. You think if she joined a band, she would just wear black t-shirts, cut off sleeves and shit? Yeah, you dress for your profession. <laughs> dress accordingly. Yeah. Well, mine... I was having a conversation with some time, someone one time who was lamenting their nose. Oh, dear. And I think hmm, certainly alcohol was involved, but it not didn't involve their nose, but involved the story. Mm -hmm. And they mentioned something about this, their nose. And I said, well, you don't have a big nose. It's just misshapen. Ugh. Yeah. Not good. Not good at all. Not a smart thing to say. And, and at the time, I chalked it up to, oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm Jesse. I'm kind of edgy, and I, I I tell it like it is. But goddamn, what? Just a douche. Total dick face. Yeah. No, no need for that. Yeah. You know, and then all the other times that I mean, well, let's put it this way. Every single time I've had a road rage incident, and it's been many years, but there are many, many, many stories. <laughs> of me going over off the deep end in traffic. Well, I lived in Washington, D.C. for many, many years, and that's terrible traffic. Yeah. 
it's oh well then it's totally t- justified no, no, all no, your no, road no, rage no, i'm not, I'm not <laughs> justifying it i'm just stating it's not you know living in rural <laughs> i'm not living in rural montana like yeah. john mayer yeah and having road rage and in, in road rage incidents it's it's li- living in terrible metropolitan traffic like washington dc and then you know la yeah <laughs> but um Every single time I've ever had an incident where I got out of my car and shit happened, I I regret. At the yeah. time, at the time, I didn't really regret it because I was somebody needed to teach that guy a lesson. You know, if I don't do it, no, he's going to keep on doing that forever. Yeah, I always justified it, but in my elder statesman years, <laughs> I've come around, and it's it's embarrassing. And maybe we'll maybe we'll have a road rage show one day, and I'll I'll regale the audience with my mini episodes of jackassery. Oh, that'll be fun. Mm. No, no. It will well, it'll be the embarrassment episode. Yeah, it'll be all the cringing happening. Yeah, there have been. I don't think I've ever put my hands on someone, but I've. It's come close. Mm-hmm. It's come close. Mm-hmm. No good. Definitely no not good. good. Speaking of no good, last episode we talked about Archbishop Robert Carlson out of the Minneapolis-St. Paul, or the Minnesota Diocese. I don't know if it's the local Minneapolis-St. Paul or... Anyway, uh, one of the priests uh, who he had under his under his employ, I guess, under his... Rain. Yeah, his reign of terror <laughs> was a guy named Tom Priest, father, I guess they call him. Reverend. Reverend Thomas Adamson. There's a lawyer, uh, Jeff Anderson, who is bringing lawsuits. He's representing victims of terrible crimes of rape. Too, too often, and I've said this on the show before, and it's something that it never stops bothering me, is the fact that we are using... Words that make us feel more comfortable. We're using words like molestation or abuse because they're more sanitary and more general. When what we need to be saying is rape. These children were raped. It is it is brutally criminal. It's not just, oh, they are molested. It's, that, that's too sanitary. We need to call it what it is. I like the word victimization. Yeah, I, that's too that's too clinical for me too. I, I it's rape. They they were victimized, but for well, me, I I like the word victimization because it it lends to both the physical and the emotional. Yeah. I think when I hear it, no, and I, so no, I get that. I, I just in my mind, I want I want the media to say rape. It's the same thing with with you you your and this is everybody's gonna shit on me for this, but traditional rape. You know, man on woman, that type of rape. I don't like it when the media says sexual assault. Why are we saying we need to say rape? It's it's terrible, and we need to face that which is happening. So to to not sugarcoat it or make it easier and more palatable for us. Yeah. So this Reverend Thomas Adamson is a part of this lawsuit that's being investigated he was he was a part of the same diocese that archbishop robert carlson was in charge of yeah and we talked about carlson last week 
he was the one that wasn't aware that it was a crime that yeah, sexual abuse was a crime he's the one who will not admit to knowing it was a crime he's the only person on earth who doesn't know that sexually abusing kids is a crime yeah <laughs> just like inherently know that that's yeah. what happens so reverend thomas adamson is going to be 81 years old next month mm -hmm. that's how old he is yep he was ordained a priest of the winona diocese in 1958 he has been accused of sexually abusing at least 28 children during his 25 years in the priesthood. And he, it is said by experts that he's possibly abused as many as 100 boys, although he denies that amount. He was transferred to the St. Paul, Minneapolis Archdiocese in 1975 after multiple complaints by families that he was sexually abusing boys in Winona. Adamson's sexual abuse of boys continued in the Twin Cities Archdiocese. He underwent psychiatric evaluation and treatment numerous times over the decades. Adamson was placed on leave in December 1984 after victims began surfacing and filing lawsuits. He has admitted to sexual misconduct with boys beginning in 1961. So let's just a reminder for everybody. He was ordained a priest in 1958 and started abusing boys in 1961. Or admitted to it. Admitted to starting. His right. first accusation came in 1961. Right. So, that, so there, there may be earlier, there, there may be earlier victims. However, it's that was the first allegation. After his dismissal from active ministry, he went on to live in Wisconsin, where he took classes at the University of Wisconsin, and worked as a clerk and nursing home activities assistant. The Winona Diocese announced in March 2012 that Adamson had returned to his hometown of Rochester and that he was not permitted on church property or school property. So, hmm. but, but the overall point of all this is he has admitted to abusing children and all that happened to him was after 25 years in the priesthood of enduring complaints, being moved around, he which is which is par for the course for the catholic church shifting and shuffling uh, uh, rapist priests child rapist priests they just move them from place to place so a new group of people don't know about their past then he was finally dismissed from active ministry and then in 2012 they announced that he was not permitted on church or school property 2012 right he's Nin 81 years old yeah, 1961 I wasn't alive in 1960. I, I wasn't alive in that decade. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Okay. So uh, the clips we're going to play are from his deposition. This lawyer, Anderson, um, is a, really a pit bull and a great advocate for these victims. Um, he's the same lawyer who's asking all the questions that we played last week. Of Carlson. Yeah. So uh, in this clip, he's really cutting to the heart of the matter of whether or not um adamson like last week he's asking if he if you know if he if he knew it was a was a crime did you at that time in your state of mind did you realize look i'm a priest i'm an adult this is a kid this is a crime did that go through your head never i don't think i i looked at it more as a sin rather than a crime and what's amazing to me 
other than his answer, which is completely fucking preposterous, is the, his demeanor throughout this entire, this entire exchange. It's very cavalier. He's sitting there with his little sweater vest on, drinking his Diet Coke, very matter-of-fact, answering the questions. There's zero shame. There's zero embarrassment on his face. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. They interviewed a, in an article that talked about this story, they had interviewed a law professor named Charles Reed, and he's an expert on canon law, religion, and the Catholic Church. And he said that rationalization is a feature of pedophiles. They always rationalize their behavior. They minimize their behavior. They always tell themselves, well, this is really not so bad. And what's shocking about this case, he says, is the total level of ease, comfort even, that Adamson shows in testifying. He's sitting there drinking a Diet Coke and talking about some terrible, gruesome, horrible acts that he's done. Right. End quote. Which leads us to... Clip two. What sexual contact did you engage in with? He was 14, 15, and uh, while you were at St. Adrian and at Lourdes. Well, I think that got more involved. It probably started with masturbation and developed from there. And give us specifically what, how it developed and what was done by you. Well, it was more frequent, probably included oral sex eventually. And um, where would this happen? Where would this occur? Any place. Where's the outrage? Where are the hundreds of thousands and literally hundreds of millions of Catholics standing up and demanding action? by the Vatican. Where are they? Yeah. It's 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 not just enraging and unbelievable, it is tragic and it's sad. Well, cuz here's the thing, all Catholics are a part of the Catholic Church obviously, and the Catholic Church is behind facilitating this abuse. There's right. there's no way around that. They have known about the reports. It's, they refuse to report it to the police and have these people arrested and have charges filed. And they, all they do is shuffle them around and then ban them from the priesthood. You it, know what? That's not enough. Listen, even if it were just looking the other way, which it is not, they are complicit in moving these these rapists. They're, they're complicit in that. But even if it were just looking the other way, you know, it's like that quote, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And if, if, if that's all that they do is nothing, that's, that's sin in and of itself. Did you have other kids ejaculate? Yes. Did you ejaculate when abusing the other kids? Sometimes. Yeah. Did you use a vibrator on, with any of these kids? Sometimes. How many different kids did you use a vibrator? It's... This is... Ugh... He's just openly talking about it very casually when he's talking about having scarred these people for life, ruining these people's lives, yes, abusing them, and he's just... Rape. Yeah. Yeah, I did that. They're mm -hmm. talking about ejaculation. He's ejaculating in the process of raping children. Yeah, it's disgusting. He's using a vibrator on children. This is... Ugh. It's... Ugh. Yeah. He lives in Rochester, Minnesota. Still alive. 
how many uh, kids, minors, do you estimate you engaged in sexual contact with while you were a priest? That would be just a guess. Several. Over a hundred? No. Over 50? No. You're not certain of the number, are you? Yeah, clearly. It's so many that he just chalks it up to several. Yeah. And as you continued in the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, until uh, 1984, how many kids did you sexually molest? I don't know. I'd have to study that out. It's so many that uh, I'd have to study that out. I'd have to really recall year by year, day by day, how many I was molesting. Yeah, and I wish that the attorney could say, you know, really? Yeah. Well, in a more argumentative nature, it, it, the reason he doesn't, it's a deposition. So it's it's a legal proceeding. He's there to ask questions. And you'll find out here here in a, in a couple of clips, his lawyer's right next to him. So yeah. he's got legal representation. And he, he, only certain questions are going to be allowed you know, okay, then my other question is, why didn't the attorney hire a gang to jump him when he left the room? <laughs> right, right, right. That would have been good as well. And, you know, it's, it, it, I wonder who his lawyer, who's paying for his lawyer. I wonder if the diocese is, is chipping in because this is going to come back on them eventually too. At that time and in that meeting with the bishop and some of the other officials you've identified. Did uh, Bishop Harrington ask you any details about the names or numbers of kids who you had uh, abused while a priest? No. Before that time, had any bishop um, um, of the Diocese of Winona, um, Velazny, Waters, or Fitzgerald, or any other bishop of the Diocese of Winona, ever asked you to identify for him uh, the names or numbers of kids who you had abused while you were a priest? There would be meetings of specific cases, but there were, I was never asked to list names. That's quite the investigation that the Catholic Church is taking taken care of. Yeah, and that's the thing. Everybody's praising the Pope for how he just appointed this panel to do the investigations, but... This is, this is what happens this when the investigations the, are done within the church. This is the track record of the type and scope of investigations that have taken place. They don't sit him in a room and interrogate him and ask him all the kids that he abused, what he did. There's no charges being pressed. The investigations that are being done within the church are meaningless. They mean nothing. Compl well, it's not. It's like I've said before. They're an organization. So if if. If a, a senior executive vice president with IBM or Home Depot or whatever corporation is found to be doing something illegal, like raping children, if they find out that 
let's say that an IBM executive is raping a kid in his office. They're not going to do an internal investigation to find out what exactly was going on. They're going to call the fucking cops. Well, and we saw that Penn State got busted for doing that. That's exactly right. And they had to pay tremendous amounts of fines. But unfortunately, the Catholic Church is its own entity. And well, so it's also its own its own state. It's its own country. It's yeah. Its own so government. no one can come in. And it's also this weird taboo that no one's allowed to criticize religion, that it's th- this social contract that we've all agreed to. I'm being sarcastic uh, that. Oh, that's that's one thing that's off limits. You can't you can't criticize someone's faith or their belief system or their religion. Well, it's gone so far as. We're not even allowed to criticize or question this kind of shit that's going on. So in in this next clip, they ask him a very pointed question related to, well, here's clip seven. Well, let me ask you this, Mr. Adamson. Have you ever spent a day in jail? No. Don't you think you should have? No. What is the relevance of this? You're wasting my time. Can we move this along, please? So this whole time I've been trying to Google the defense attorney's name for him, but I can't find him. I'm going to keep trying, and if I find it, I'll post it. Oh, yeah. He needs to be outed, as they say. that is completely disgusting and why everybody hates defense attorneys. Well, it's lawyers are, are, are slimy vermin as it is, but this is the reason that many of them are reviled and hated yeah what's the point of this he just answered that he has ejaculated while abusing kids and he said he's never spent a a day in jail and that no he shouldn't spend a day in jail right and then you erupt in anger and ask what's the point of this uh why are you sitting next to this person that just admitted those things the 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 other issue that we haven't really talked about uh, relative to this asshole this priest, asshole, this man of God, asshole, this man of authority over children who raped and tortured children is the fact that no charges are going to be brought against this guy because of the statute of limitations. Yeah, he's not behind bars because of the statute of limitations. It has expired. Yeah, he's going to live out his days, pension and health care, Paid for by the Catholic Church. Are you currently receiving uh, 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 funds from uh, the Diocese of Winona or the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis? I get my pension fund fund from the Diocese of Winona. How much is that fund? $1,650 a month. And do you receive any other funds from the diocese beyond the pension of sixteen hundred and fifty? No. Okay. Um, uh, do you receive any? Um, do you have health insurance supplied by them to you? Do they? Pay I'm on insurance? Medicare as my primary insurer. And then Blue uh, Cross Blue Care, Blue Cross Blue Shield is a secondary provider. And who pays the premium for that? The diocese. Diocese of Winona? Yes. So raping children doesn't rise admitted, hang on, admitted rape of children. It's not like 
we don't know, we're not sure, these are just allegations. This is admitted rape of children. Doesn't rise to the level of losing your pension with the Catholic Church. It, it's amazing to me that people are not talking about this, that the people who belong to the Catholic Church, especially in this area, are not getting loud about this, um, leaving the church over this. Yeah. It's it's shocking to me. It's sickening. Uh, the only right thing to do, since he cannot go to jail because the statute of limitations has expired, which is unbelievable. Preposterous. Is to take his pension away and to take away his health insurance. He should not be funded. No. I mean, it's not as though he did his job. Well, he clearly... He, he didn't just not do his job. It's not like not showing up on Sunday. He did the opposite. He damaged people. Rather than be the shepherd of the flock, he's he's raping the sheep. I mean, that it's what he's doing. Yeah. And it, it's it's also a responsibility of us as a society to adjust these statute of limitations and this, like I've said, and I'll say it again, this type of crime should be considered a capital crime. You should, there should be no stat, there's no statute of limitations for murder. There should be no statute of limitations for the rape of a child or the rape of anyone for that matter. It's not, after 20 years goes by, you've still inflicted permanent damage on someone. Yeah, the person that he abused has actually spoken out about this deposition being mm -hmm. on video. His name's Jim Keenan, and he says he was sexually abused by Adamson. and Raped. Yeah. He says, try to put your hands around the idea that somebody had to force a religious organization to protect children. That's crazy. That's what he told the news on the day the Archdiocese released the list of names. Yeah, they had a press conference. Of credibly accused priests. And he said, I didn't want to see my abusers sit there nonchalantly and say, no, it didn't happen. When asked what he wanted Adamson to say, the victim, Keenan, replied, I did it. I'm sorry. I'm sick. And somebody didn't help me. Unfortunately, he didn't get that, that response. The victim says, there's a part of me that feels a lot of empathy for him. They corralled him and they put him in places where he could reoffend. They didn't help him. But Keenan reserved his harshest words, not for Adamson, but for the church's officials who oversaw him. Quote, I'm angered at the fact that the hierarchy just said didn't happen. Right. So it's actually very telling that he feels more empathy for his abuser and is primarily angry with the catholic church the institutionalization of this kind of abuse yeah the horrors yeah and if you don't want to believe bitter people about religion <laughs> talking about how it's the catholic church's fault and and people need to be enraged about the catholic church we'll take it from the victim right who was sexually abused by this priest it's what really bothers me about like there's an article in time talking about just the media right now and our, our our world is just lauding praise upon this new pope just oh he's so wonderful he he won't even ride in the pope mobile because it's too stuffy it's too small yeah he wants to be out there with the people he he's not living in in the papal mansion he's living in a small apartment oh what a wonderful man you know what fuck you 
he, you're, he's not a wonderful man. He's doing nothing, nothing to stop these horrible monsters from being predators of the most innocent among us. Yeah, he's he's being praised again in the media because he called his bulletproof Pope mobile a sardine can saying he prefers to be in the open and connected with the people despite the possibility of an assassination attempt. Quote, I know that something could happen to me, but it's in the hands of God. Indeed it is. So why was it that Pope Benedict Ratzinger always was in the bulletproof one? It, did he not understand that everything was God's plan and right, right. it's in the hands of God? It's it, That's what bothers me the most about this new Pope is that he's being just... He's just a oh what a wonderful per he sneaks out of the Vatican at night and goes out and does stuff with homeless people and washes that sounds dirty people's feet and the, the the thing is is what is he doing to to bring these these rapist priests to justice I don't want an internal investigation we've seen how you conduct internal investigations Pope Francis we've seen that. What I want to see is you picking up your Pope phone and dialing the local police to come in and do an actual criminal investigation to get these these rapists off the street and out of the parishes. Yeah, exactly. So in other news, more <laughs> religious nutter buttery, uh, Rick Perry. Probably less disturbing for everybody, though. Or less less surprising, anyway. Yeah. We kind of expect this guy to, to mouth off. Texas Governor Rick Perry drew a comparison between alcoholism and homosexuality during a California visit that was supposed to be dealing with economic issues. <laughs> well, to be fair to him, the moderator was asked, directing these questions. They were asking the questions, so. Which is good. These are good questions to answer. If you're running for president, you're putting yourself out there. It's the one thing that really, well, there's many, many things that bothered me about Mitt Romney. But some of the other things that really bothered me, one specifically was he wouldn't field questions about his religion. Well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk about that. You know, that's, that's a personal, that's my faith. That's a personal thing. I'm not mm, going to talk about that. The personal thing that affects every one of his beliefs. It completely informs all of your decisions. We need to know. Listen, if you believe there's a planet or a sun or some kind of a celestial object that physically, literally exists at the center of our of our galaxy called Kolob, and that's where God lives, I'd like to know that because that that means you're really not capable of making. If if you, that's what you believe about things like that, you're not capable of making other types of decisions. Yeah. If, if you believe that it was justified for your church to not allow blacks into the priesthood based strictly on the color of their skin. Until 1978. Yeah, until 1978, you're, you're not qualified, in my view, for the presidency. You're certainly not qualified for my vote. And the same thing goes for Rick Perry. These type of things, these questions need to be asked because they're important. You're going to be the leader of the free world. And Perry's comments to the Commonwealth Club of California came after the Texas Republican Convention's new stance. They sanctioned a platform allowing Texans to seek voluntary counseling to cure being gay, the right. conversion therapy. Right, right. 
So here's the clip at the at the Rick Perry at the Commonwealth Club. Do you believe homosexuals can be cured by prayer or counseling? <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, I, I don't. I, I'm I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a doctor. I'm um, so. Is it a disorder? I wrote a book called uh, uh, On My Honor, and I talked about that people make choices in life. Um, and whether or not you, um, whether or not you feel compelled to follow a particular lifestyle or not, you have the ability to decide not to do that. And, and I, I made the point of, of talking about alcoholism. Um, I may have the uh, I may have the the genetic coding that I'm inclined to be an alcoholic, but I have the desire not to do that. And I look at the homosexual issue as the same way. It's <laughs> I love when he comes out and he says, "Well, I'm not a psychiatrist. I, I'm not a doctor." Yeah, because there actually are psychiatrists and doctors and experts that research these things and they've researched conversion therapy it's it's funny that that's always the political cop-out well you know i'm i'm not a doctor i'm not a psychiatrist yeah dick we know that you're a politician um but you have doctors and psychiatrists available to you to call to email to appoint to commissions relative to these issues, they're available to you to ask what the deal is. You don't have to be one. We know you're not one. Don't cop out and just say, oh, you know, I'm not a doctor. Yeah. And I'm sure that he can find, you know, some fringe study that says that conversion therapy worked, but the vast majority of scientific literature says no it's harmful it actually does bad things to people that have to endure that it, it's funny to me that you you mentioned that that they're they're not uh people that, there are studies out there that are that would point to conversion therapy working there are studies out there that would point to all kinds of fringe ideas within science that's the great thing about having 5000 studies on an issue if you've got 5 that point to one way and you've got 4,995 pointing the other way, the scientific consensus points you in the right direction. Yeah, that means something. Right. That's why with global warming, and we're not going to get off on global warming, but if the thousands of studies point to global warming being something that's happening, which I think we could all agree it's happening, and then even all of those, most of, you know, the, the vast majority of those same studies saying that man is contributing to it, but then you've got, you know, 10 or 20 studies that say no. Who are you going to believe? You have to go with what science and the consensus is saying. Yeah. So, so look, Rick Perry, we know you're not a psychiatrist. We clearly know you're not a psychiatrist. We know you're not a doctor. Yeah, and also, it almost feels like progress, though, that he's admitting that there's a genetic component. He yeah. says, you know, you might have the genetic coding to yeah. be an alcoholic, but you can 
choose not to live that lifestyle. I believe that homosexuality is the same thing. Oh, okay. So you believe that there's a genetic component, a hereditary thing to right. homosexuality. Yeah. Okay, well, at least you're admitting that now. That's important. And it's just funny to me that he admitted that probably without realizing that that's what he was saying. Yeah, yeah. Because also his sexual orientation is then inherent and genetic. Right. So can he just choose not it's, to have sex with women? I always love that point that gets asked. It's and it's always those gotcha kind of questions where they they're steering the conversation and they say, "Do you think, you know, you're born gay?" No, I don't believe that. Well, when did you decide to be straight? Well, I I did I didn't decide to be straight. Well, how did you how did you know you were you were straight? Oh, I just I just, you know, I I just knew it. Oh, oh, okay. You don't see the disconnect there, asshole? Yeah. <laughs> so funny to me. What's also annoying is that alcoholism is actually damaging to people in their lives, in their health. Yeah. And homosexuality is not. Well, <laughs> uh, alcoholism can it will kill you. Yes. I mean, through several diseases like, like cirrhosis, which is a d direct... It is a direct result of drinking too much. It hardens the liver. It's it's terrible. You withdrawal from alcohol if you're an alcoholic, and you stop drink like a severe alcoholic, and you stop drinking. It's the one addiction that you can die from. Withdrawal. Yeah. Heroin. You won't die from it. It'll be terrible for a few, several weeks while you're detoxing, even if you just do it in your own house. But alcoholism, you will, you can die from withdrawal. It's a serious, serious thing. So to to equate homosexuality with alcoholism is also just fucking dumb. Like I said, like we've said earlier in a couple other episodes, it's going to be an, a very fun presidential season in primary, having Rick Perry uh, <laughs> running for president. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. So we're going to stick with Texas because it's so fun. They're second place, I guess, in the, the nuttery of the states next to Florida. Uh, a Texas school board? Texas councilwoman Connie Trube doesn't think she should have to resign after she was caught on tape for saying she doesn't want to get, quote, those blacks off the school board <laughs> because it's just her honest opinion. Right. It's just, just my opinion. You can't, I can't be punished for the terrible views I hold and voice. So uh, local affiliate, the local Houston affiliate did a great, uh, a great piece on this and I wanted to share it with you guys. New at 10 o'clock tonight, some strong words toward a Lamarck City Councilwoman accused of making racial comments. Yeah, tonight was the first public meeting since the controversial comments, and the council member at the center of the controversy still is not backing down. Local News' Robert Arnold joins us live in Lamarck with the story. Robert. Despite an ongoing investigation and calls for her resignation, Lamarck City Councilmember Connie Trube remains unapologetic. Tonight is the first time the public had the chance to address City Council after audio recordings surfaced where you can hear Trube blaming some of the city's and school district's problems on African Americans. I feel very good about what's going on here. That's two-term Lamarck City Council member Connie True. She was unfazed and unashamed as citizens lined up to denounce her remarks and call for her job. 
If you heard on tape making disparaging remarks, then I'm, I'm just saying that I think that it's time that you resign. That is our obligation as citizens to speak out against racism and not allow that to take over our community. Local 2 Investigates obtained audio recordings of a parking lot conversation she had with the husband of a political adversary. On the recording, Troop is clear about why she thinks Lamarck ISD is in such a troubled financial and academic state. It's not going to get any better until you get those funds in the school board. She'll really turn black. She got on the school board with the rest of the blacks, and they just they all just gained up, and that's why the school system has gone to hell. What is on the tape is nothing more than me stating my honest opinion. And I, and I don't back down from that. I never denied what was on the tape. Troop may not see the problem with her words, but many in the community do not share her thoughts. It really cast a negative shadow upon the city, and we, we can't move forward with, you know, like unstorm clouds hovering over the city. Lamarck Mayor Bobby Hawking kept his remarks brief, citing an ongoing investigation of the matter by an outside law firm. Racism will not be tolerated on any level in the city of Lamarck. And the mayor says that investigation should be completed by June 30th, and the findings will be handed over to the Department of Justice for review. We are live in Lamarck. Robert Arnold, KPRC Local 2. All right, Robert, thank you. And Councilmember True was formally censored by city council. So she was caught on tape blaming one local school's community problems on the, school's, the school board's black members. She said, quote, she really turned black. She got on the school board with the rest of the blacks, and they all just ganged up, and that's why the school system has gone to hell. I'm glad you reread that because the audio was a little, because it's kind of a secret recording or something. It sounds like someone had just had a tape recorder in the parking lot. Yeah, and so it, it the, the quality was shitty, but very, uh, very funny that now she's like, well, she's not backing down from it at no, all. No, she says, quote. What is on the tape is nothing more than me stating my honest opinion, and I don't back down from that. So there you go. Yeah. A lot of people... Don't, on, mess, don't mess with Texas. A lot of people on tape saying things that you'd think that they wouldn't want everybody to know about them. Well, I don't know if that's the wisest strategy, that once you're caught, that you're, you, you, you stick to your guns. Yeah, I'm a racist. I'm yeah. not backing down from that. <laughs> It's all. It's kind of like the those people kind of a comment. Oh, those people. You people. <laughs> yeah. So, way to go, Texas. Way to go. Well, I, what what's going to be interesting is when we find out on June 30th what their findings are. You know, she's already been cens cens censured by the city council. I'm curious to see if anything comes of it. Yeah. Through through because there's an independent law firm doing a an investigation of it. So, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. I want you to talk about that study, the uh, the cool kids, the cool kids study that we were talking about. Yeah, so a study published in a child development journal on June 11th says that the cool kids that you went to school with probably shouldn't worry about them because popularity fades, and apparently so do good life outcomes right, right. for those popular kids. Yeah. Kids who try to act cool in early adolescence are more likely to have problems with drugs and alcohol and have trouble managing friendships as they grow older, and their pro popularity tends to fade by the time they're 22. The researchers say they call it the high school reunion effect. 
The researchers followed over 180 13-year-olds for a decade, interviewing the teens themselves as well as their parents and friends. By age 22, the cool group had a 45% higher rate of problems related to alcohol and substance use, such as missing work and driving drunk, than their less cool peers, according to the study, which appears, like I said, in the journal Child Development. The popular crowd was also more likely to have engaged in criminal activity. Hmm. So that's what happens to all those cool kids you went to school with, right? And think of... Think of the people you went to school with that were in the cool crowd. I know for me, this is pretty true. Yeah. I, I went to a really small school, so I think things are maybe slightly skewed. I mean, also, I'm not in very intimate contact with a lot of the people from high school because I don't, I don't want to say most, but a lot of people I went to high school with still live in the small town. I can't think of anybody. It's not like we could we could drive within 50 miles of where we live right now and I wouldn't be able to find a high school kid. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think anybody lives in L.A. Yeah. So the researchers say, although the Queen Bees and Homecoming Kings acted older than their age in middle school and high school, by age 22, they were seen by their peers as being less socially competent and less mature. All the study participants attended urban and suburban public schools in the southeast, and the researchers took into account any influence of gender and family income that might have had an impact on the results. Part of the problem, the researchers say, may be that as these cool kids grew older, they felt the need to do increasingly extreme things to get attention. But their friends, as they got more mature, are less and less impressed by those behaviors. So... You know, when you're in high school, the cool kids, a lot of times they cave. They're the ones that are caving to peer pressure and, you know, they start drinking earlier. They start right. doing drugs earlier, start having sex earlier. And all because of that underdeveloped or immature prefrontal cortex. Yes. <laughs> and which we've talked about in the past. And the less cool kids are, you know, less apt to get involved in those behaviors and not conform to the peer pressure as much so and i think not conforming if they if if not conforming is a behavior that they practice and that they get good at is a good thing as an adult in in a lot of different facets yeah it, it could lead to you know creating a business not just following the status quo relative to certain behaviors and activities can be a, a great thing as an adult. Yeah, and, and research so shows that children who are able to delay gratification, that that's like the main thing that sets someone up for success, Yeah, is being able to just delay gratification and suffer a little bit. Going don't, to college. And... Yeah, don't, don't worry about all the fun you're missing out on and just kind of, you know, yeah. stick it out for a bit. Yeah. So, I wish I wish I would have been better at that. <laughs> yeah. In high school. And the researchers say, of course, this doesn't mean a, a kid's fate is sealed at age 13 and that teens should just be aware that focusing too heavily on appearance and social hierarchies early on can be unhealthy. And parents can help by encouraging their teens to aim for fulfillment in the long term over short term popularity. It's like that advice you used to give your sister when she was younger. Um to date a nerd turd to find oh, yeah. to find a guy who's not super popular yeah find a guy who is 
that that computer geeky kind of guy. Yeah. A guy who's going to be go to college and who's going to be successful. Yeah. He might not be super cool, quote unquote, now. Yeah. But he's definitely going to to be a a better partner in the future relative to relationship and and earning p- potential and everything else. He's just a better. For I'm sure. not saying they're better people. Yeah, no, but they, but they end up with their shit together a lot more. Yeah, and I would always just tell her because in high school you're concerned with how people view you, and you're also concerned with how people view your boyfriend or your girlfriend, and so people are always looking not just if they think someone's attractive, but how other people are going to perceive that person. And I would just always tell her, you know, like you said, find a nerd turd, even if he's you know not so hot, and people don't really think he's hot. That would be good. I also told her to find a Mormon. So. <laughs> Well, l- let me tell you something. The looks thing, that shit changes. Because I was a gangly, goofy, not that I'm Mr. Super Handsome Guy now, but I am certainly a night and day representation Yeah. <laughs> of what I was my sophomore year in high school. Yeah. So what was the uh, what was that other study? There was another one that I th- thought was super interesting. Uh, the Dirty Babies. <laughs> the Dirty Babies. This, I bet you, gave you a little anxiety when you were reading about it. It didn't surprise me, though. So, for decades, parents have shielded their infants from bacteria and other possible triggers for illness, allergies, and asthma. But a new study suggests that exposure to cat dander, a wide variety of household bacteria, and even rodent and roach allergens may help protect infants against future allergies and wheezing. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isn't that quite shocking? <laughs> well, rat feces, that's... I wonder what methods they used relative to finding out. They contacted the hoarder people that are right. on Hoarders A&E. No, Super I'm kidding. healthy kids. Yeah. <laughs> no, the researchers followed 467 newborns for three years, screening them for allergies annually and testing the dust in the houses where they lived for allergens and bacteria. To the researchers' surprise, kids who were exposed before their first birthday to mouse and cat dander, along with cockroach droppings, had lower, had lower rates of allergies and wheezing by age three compared to those who were not exposed so early on. So they found that the key is the time that you're exposed and what you're exposed to. Because after age one, it, it didn't make a the big The antibodies difference. or whatever don't develop. Right? Yeah, so it... It's early ex- exposure that protected them. What's the sample size? 464 newborns. Huh. So a decent, a decent amount. Mm-hmm. It's not like 15 people that they, they looked at. That's good. Yeah, and wheezing was actually three times as common among the children who had less exposures to those allergens early in life. So I guess what they're saying is you should raise your kids in abject filth. Mm-hmm. That's the advice. Yeah. No, the researchers... So stop cleaning your houses, get a bunch of pet rats. Researchers aren't ready to try to translate these new findings into practical advice, actually. <laughs> so... Oh, playing it safe, huh, science? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but they just say there could be a downside to too much cleanliness. And that's, you know, some parents, especially new parents... I, no, I get that. ...are wary of that. And The, the Purell people. Exactly. People who are constantly washing their hands, having Perel on hand. I mean, it's. I think it, it, there is something to be said for developing a, a strong immunity, and people are too weirded out about cleanliness because 
we have an immune system for that very reason. Yeah. And so they say this shows that the younger the child is when you get a pet, the better. And strict avoidance of allergens from the beginning does not protect you. Hmm. So That's interesting. Yeah. It reminds me of some dumb things I used to do when I was a kid. Quite dirty. Oh, yeah. Like suck on pennies. Yeah, that is a weird... I, I want you to talk about that because that is gross, first of all. It's very gross. Because money is... It has... I don't... And we don't have the study here, but it has been found that money is some of the most filthy items that you can handle. It's, oh, yeah. It's disgusting. We're talking fecal matter. And bleh. and drugs. Yeah, My pennies were probably cocaine. covered in drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but, and, and you have jack-off hands clutching your sweaty pennies that's also a concern and then you're sucking on mm -hmm. dirty gross butthole money is effectively what it is yeah you're sucking on butthole money okay <laughs> so i used to suck on pennies and i would try to find a specific one because i would like rub them on the side of my tongue and it would cause my mouth to water because it was a certain like taste that i would find and some of them were nasty. I'd put them in my mouth, and it was bad news. I'd spit it out, and I'd try to find the one that I really wanted. And I know this is disgusting. I'm pretty gross, just so everybody knows. And I don't how know. Old, how old were you when you were doing this? Oh, I don't know. Like four or five, probably. Yeah, I mean, you pretty know, young. Four or five-year-olds are gross. Too young to be sucking on pennies. Where were my parents? I could have choked. Oh, you could have choked. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. Well, it's not like you're... They're probably just watching me do it. Oh, it's so cute. So did you ever, in retrospect, which pennies were the tasty ones? The ones I would, well, I don't know. You mean like what year? Yeah, well, was it, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Did you ever discover what it was about the, no. was it that they were newer? Yeah, I never figured. Was I was just, a kid. What, you think I'm going to be able to discern that, that, what? They just had that delicious butthole flavor? No, that wasn't it. No, I think no, that's what it was. That wasn't it. Butthole. No, 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 no. <laughs> I only liked the really clean ones, you see. Mm, mm -hmm. That's it. And I cleaned them up for everybody. I was doing a service nice. for everybody. So speaking of buttholes, we are going to wrap it up. That music right there indicates that we are going to be talking about a terrible, terrible person. Can you guess who it is? Pat Robertson. <laughs> we gave you a little bit of time to guess. So, Pat Robertson, we've got another delicious, tasty clip of him saying, I don't know how this guy is still looked upon to give advice on national TV. Yeah, so it's on the 700 Club, and there's a segment on the show where he reads letters from people. And well, he, he does his, like a... His co-host lady kind of reads the question because they're writing to him yeah people in the audience write to pat robertson to have their question their heartfelt issue that they're having they needed answered yeah and so he kind of does like a on tv advice column yeah like a dear prudy yeah or a uh dear abby kind of a thing yeah except it's dear dickhole dear someone who only gives terrible advice <laughs> I don't know that I've ever heard him give good advice. And that's not to say that I only listened to those right-wing watch clips. And if I happen upon Pat Robertson and he's on TV... Oh, we turn it on all the time. Oh, yeah. I watch and see what this asshole has to say. Yeah. So, so here we go. 
Right. All right, a viewer writes, whenever my parents fight, my dad threatens my mom with his gun. Fortunately, this now means nothing to my mom, and she never goes nuts about it. She's very calm. But as a child, I get nervous and worried when this happens. Even my younger brother saw the incident. What should we do about it and him? Well, again, you don't want to get your father busted, but you could. Um, you know, uh, might be what he needs. Well, misuse of a firearm, but you ought to go to your mother and say, "Mom, this thing is scaring me," and and uh, I, I ask you, please, uh, to get my f father to have some help. This kind of rage. I mean, one day he's going to pull the trigger. It doesn't take too much if you've got a loaded weapon and you're brandishing it around. I'm going to kill you, and the next thing you know, the thing goes off. Maybe accidentally, but the mother will wind up dead. Mm. You need to do something to intervene, but you're a kid. What do you do? You know? No. Your mother ought to take care of that. Yeah. But you're a kid. What do you do? Uh, I don't know. I could think of a few things that you should do as a kid if your father is threatening your mother's life with a gun. Kids and adults who witness domestic violence, including threats and intimidation, should call 911. For right. advice and assistance, call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. Well, and also, you could talk to a teacher. You can talk to your pastor. Yeah. Uh, Talk to Talk someone to a trustworthy that adult. you trust about this. It's not, oh, I'm a kid. What? I mean, he's a kid. What does he do? Who knows? What is he to do? He's only a kid. His mother should do something. Yeah, take advice from your battered wife syndrome mom. Yeah, goddamn. Just what a terrible person. And also, he immediately launches into the, the, the gun thing. Well, you know, gun safety is an important thing. And handling a gun properly is, that's not what he, the kid's asking about. I like that he's already preparing for the mom to get killed by the dad and saying, well, maybe the gun will go off accidentally. No, he's regularly threatening the right. wife with a gun. It's it, not going to go off accidentally. Negligent criminal behavior. And he's justifying it or already starting to make excuses. It, Goddamn. A ter he's a terrible, terrible man. The reason that he should not be giving advice is because there's so much psychology in this in this child's letter here. He says, whenever my parents fight, my dad threatens my mom with his gun. Fortunately, this now means nothing to my mom, and she never goes nuts about it. She's very calm. Oh, great. You mean now your mom is desynthesized to, to it? Yeah, she's used to the chaos, which is teaching you now that she's used to the chaos. And so this is almost like a norm. Right. Now. Fortunately, it's, it's become a norm in my household. It's terrible. I'm witnessing this gun violence as a norm now. It's the, both the child's perception and the mother's perception is warped, it's twisted. It needs to be. Well, first of all, this man needs to be in fucking jail. He's a terrible father yeah. and husband. Yeah. But it's it, the Pat Robertson thing. Who is writing these? What we need to do? We need to we need to admonish our audience. I want everybody who's got a little spare time to write some outlandish letter, hoping that you're going to get a response from Pat Robertson, because I need more fodder for clips. These are just too beautiful not to have on the show. So I, I'm going to start writing some letters or emails. I'm going to go to the CBN.com, the Christian Broadcasting Network.com, and I'm going to start writing some letters to get 
some classic Pat Robertson responses. My goal is to get hired as his co-host and when <laughs> you know, I'll act like I'm I'm on board with everything, everything's good, and then once he gives terrible advice, I'll be like, "Really? Uh, are no. You, are you fucking kidding me? What was what did you say?" Yeah, I'll interject and let everybody know what the real advice is. <laughs> and then I will also just karate chop him in the throat. Right in the throat. Mm-hmm. Well, that just a light little love tap. He won't need much because he's, he's pretty old. He's old as balls. Yeah. I, I, I think that might kill him. I mean, balls are pretty old, so that was a good comparison. Some, his balls are old. Yeah, that's definitely a fact. Mm-hmm. Only factual reporting here on I Doubt It. We don't play around with the facts. We don't. They are serious. Mm-hmm. So we're going to wrap it up with jackass Pat Robertson there. We, as always, appreciate you listening. We are going to look forward to your letters. You could post them on. Actually, you could email them to us at I doubt it at Dollamore. And we would be happy to post them to the Facebook page and uh, see what kind of responses we can we can uh, generate. Uh, Also, leave us a voicemail. Six, five, seven, four, six, four, seventy six, zero nine. We'd love to incorporate comments and criticisms and critiques and cockery. I don't know. I'm just thinking of C's now. Wow. On the show. 657-464-7609. iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, Twitter, blah, blah, blah. Dollamore.com. If you go go and you want to buy a book or a Tupperware set. Everybody needs Tupperware. Everybody needs plasticware, gladware. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's good stuff. So if you're going to make a purchase anyway... Go ahead and spend your money at dollamore.com and use the Amazon link. We would greatly appreciate the support. This has been episode 30. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. I'm, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a doctor. I-